This is Jonathan Mickles with the Strategic Multifamily Investing Podcast. And today I have with me another repeat guest, Mr. David Black. How's it going, David? All right. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely, man. The last time we talked, you were working in some multifamily investing, and then you were going to set up a fund to start working on, I think, the stressed office. So... Just for everybody else who's here, give us a repeat a little bit more about your background before this past uh, year or so that uh, we, we last talked. Sure. So um, I have always had a background in distressed debt. I managed a distressed debt fund for over 10 years, um, and this was uh, into and through last recession. Uh entirely focused on commercial real estate assets. So just buying bad loans from lenders of all profiles uh, and working through those. So I would say that, I mean, one, I'm very comfortable getting involved in more complex situations and um, I'm opportunistic by nature. So, uh, you know, the market's been really great for a decade, you know, since we came out of the Great Recession, um, and it was never really um, kind of like the right time to really support a distressed only fund. Um, and then when COVID happened, we had some lender relationships that um, were offering up some portfolios of loans. Some of them were in default, some of them not. And uh, we were able to jump in on those. And that's really what precipitated um, the creation and launch of Capstack's current fund, which has been in operations now for, we just closed out our second year, um, where we're really focused much more broadly um, within real estate on the debt space. So looking at things, again, with an opportunistic lens, um, like bridge loans, mez loans, um, and we're buying distressed debt as well whenever we see those. But it doesn't live or die by a market cycle or you know particular strategy, um, which is what really the distressed fund that I managed uh, was like. So um, you know that's that's really where the focus has been. Um, I would say that. Uh, the opportunities were tight when we started because the market rebounded so strongly coming out of COVID. Um, and there was so much money chasing deals that, um, you know, we, we certainly were able to find opportunities, but, you know, it was, it was much more competitive and we had to keep our yield expectation and return expectation much tighter. I think that that's definitely changed certainly over the last year with rate movements and a lot of the uh, inflationary uh, headlines and everything that we're reading about. So let me ask this question then so we can kind of get into the sweet spot of who your clients are and who people, you know, who are interested in particularly the space or who may need you in the future can really dial in on that. So what range of units are you looking at or what what loan value are you looking at or loan to cost are you talking about? You're talking one million, yeah. two million. Where, where is that sweet spot for you? Uh, so I would say that um, we've been looking at um, senior loans, you know, as little as let's say 3 million up to 25 million. Um, 
the mezzanine preferred equity type financing that we've been doing is probably more around one to 10. You know, we're coming in behind lenders. And I would say that's probably like picked up as lenders have pulled back on their LTC, LTV advances, right. but still think it's a good loan, good borrower, good story. Um, so we're coming in behind them just to complete the debt stack, you know, with that incremental amount. How does that, um, how does that work now? Let me, let me ask that question, you know, because from a multifamily perspective, and I know you're, you're across multiple asset classes here on the commercial side. Are you only doing commercial or are you doing residential and commercial or just commercial, just only? So, so I define commercial as business purpose. Um, we're not lending to owner occupied borrowers. Gotcha. You know, there's an entire industry there. So, you know, if someone's investing in a portfolio of single families, um, that's fine as long as the intention is profit, you know, and not as a primary. Gotcha. So that that's really what I would count, you know, that's the catch all for commercial real estate to me versus residential real estate. Okay. Now in the past, what we've done is you know, we would underwrite to maybe 75, 80%, depending on how the bank was, you know, happy about that. But I, as you mentioned that they have started pulling back uh, on those loans. So initially it was, okay, the bank is going to give us 75% of this. We're going to have to raise 25% plus whatever CapEx that we may be able to have. And that's kind of how it works. But you're talking about you come in behind the banks. Uh, is this after you close? Because right now, I think we're at about 60, 65%, if you will, that a lot of banks are, are, are lending. Are you bringing in that extra 10% after the close? Or how does one underwrite that in uh, as you part of the deal? Uh, so, I mean, it's usually pre-close because the borrower needs that capital. Right. They've got their equity slug coming in, the lenders coming to the table with their senior piece, and there's a gap in the middle. So, you know, we're really, you know, we're executing this gap trade, if you will. Uh, sometimes it's borrower driven, sometimes it's lender driven, because we have relationships on both sides, you know, where ultimately you know, the, the debt stack, if you will, has to be solved, right? So the senior is, like you said, coming in short 60, 65, whatever that may be, and they need to come in with that last 10%. So it has to close there. Therefore, they have to identify who's going to be able to do it. Otherwise, they're short proceeds. The lender is not going to finance a deal where there's an expectation that the borrower is just going to be able to get it somehow. Right. Uh, and, you know, the borrower is not going to want to put money at risk if they're being responsible about their investment to do the same. So you'd be subordinate to the bank, say, in this particular situation. Yes. Now, that's right. You mentioned that it's short term debt. So then you is that like a year, three years, two years? What what is short term? Uh, and that's a good question. Uh, right. Because you have various lenders who will define that uh, very differently for us. Um, right now, based on where we are in the market and where we feel like the market's trending, we're really looking at no more than one year uh, positions. And ideally, I want a borrower who's got a business plan that has a very high likelihood of the earlier uh, repayment of our loan. Now, the, the reasoning for us isn't so much that it's that like, kind of quick turn, hard money profile per se. It's more 
that the market's been moving so fast. And and let me let me be specific. The capital markets uh, are really what's been moving so quickly. Um, and the real estate market still remains this big, slow, fixed asset and has been playing a ton of catch up. So, you know, part of it is a function of, okay, you know, cash flows, what the debt service looks like, valuations and repricings. Like, you know, we can talk about that in theory and, you know, just point to formulaically where it needs to be. But real estate and, and you know, behind the, even the asset, the people, right? You know, the humanistic factor associated with like such a quick move by the capital markets is taking time to process. And so it's playing catch up, but it's playing catch up to the downside, you know, and just a function of, of, of pullback. Okay. And so for us, we're still saying, okay, you know, we believe in the asset class, we believe in good deals and deals get done on a deal by deal, right? We're not making macro bets, even if we're viewing the market on a macro basis. So from that perspective, we're active, we like jumping in, we're being opportunistic, we're being thoughtful about the downside, but we're also saying, okay, you know, the market's trending in a particular direction. Real estate still has to align with where the capital markets moved um, so fast. And so based on that, I don't necessarily want to be locked into something for a matter of years. Um, and there yeah. are lenders who are comfortable with that, but that's just where we are. I just want to like be in, be out, try to be as nimble as we can possibly be to just get a better feel for, you know, point where ideally, you know, we can see some form of stabilization or just, you know, a new reality um, that seems to have a little more longevity. I so think we're much more transitional now. You alluded to the capital markets versus the real estate markets. And, you know, for, for those who are novice out there, can you break down the difference between the two? The capital markets are, the real estate market is, and how have capital markets been, you know, historically responding? And are you that sensitive to the rate increases that the feds have been giving us recently? So the capital markets versus the real estate markets in the most simplistic sense is just a function of the money versus the asset, right? Um, and obviously you're taking money to invest in this asset and there is a very well-developed uh, financing structure and market and players. It's so robust and more so than so many other industries out there, which is what makes it so attractive, right? That you could come to the table, you know, putting aside the nominal zeros that sometimes real estate requires of you right? From a percentage basis, right? Talking about LTVs where you have a participant who's passive mm -hmm. and is willing to take majority of the risk from the perspective of like, you know, 70, 80 LTV, right? Which is huge, you know, just putting aside, you know, the fact that we're accustomed to it as an industry standard, right? Um, or at least recognizing that to be the case. Um, and, and the only thing that's really being asked from that participant is a fixed rate. It's like, just pay me my money back and give me a fixed rate. 
you know, the evergreen nature of owning this thing, if you want it generationally or if you want it for a few months, if you, you know, all, and the upside associated, that's all yours. Just give me my like currently, you know, single low double digit potentially, you know, coupon and repay me and I'm good. Right. Even though I'm taking like way more risk than you are. Right. So, you know, that's the capital, right? And then you've got, you know, the real estate. So the capital markets historically, and certainly, you know, well, first of all, over the last 10 years, and not only have they been stable, you know, but the rates have been so favorable on the debt side, you know, that it's just created a level of predictability. Um, and it's also created a significant amount of capital availability. So basically, there's been so much money available for real estate that a it's driven prices up you know year over year where people could reliably underwrite appreciation just from a perspective of demand and also not enough assets being available right just like from an economic sense you know supply was not meeting demand prices went up but but are you starting to see that slow down now in the capital markets that yeah absolutely um you're starting to see it slow down you're starting to see almost like a, a freeze okay. um you know if i'm a buyer okay okay and i can no longer access 70 or 80 percent but like you said 60 percent. not only that right. but that 60 percent costs way more oh yeah yeah we're then much much more than what we were right talking before. yeah like a lot more so you know the money costs money and you're getting a lot less of it you know and you have sellers who have yet to process, and this is just the reconciliation that is right. taking place right now, where sellers have to recognize, okay, pricing is no longer where it was. You know, even if your your asset is just like trophy, or you took it from zero occupancy to a hundred percent, or you bumped rents, or you know, your business plan was followed through to a T, and you achieved everything you you achieved. You're still you know, on. Right. Unfortunately, you come out the other side and everything about what you predicted was dead on. But for the fact that the value you attach to that being repriced downward as a result of the capital markets informing on that. But then in that particular case, as a seller, then I wouldn't necessarily be using you. I just have to reduce my price, which I don't want to do, which which hurts me on the on the other side with my investors because we were predicting potentially something else. Um, sure. Would they potentially want to say go for another round? For example, generally most real estate is purchased at least on the multifamily side for three to five years, right? Um, that's kind of the, the the plan that they use to turn things around. You in that situation, if I'm trying to say buy another property, I'm only getting sixty five percent. I'm coming in with you know um, you know whatever equity that I have, and you're going to make up the rest of it you're rescuing that or if if i'm a if i'm a seller and i need to turn this around and i'm not going to be able to get all the money that i really need do i bring you in it seems like i can't even bring you in in that situation because the markets are soft if you will because my pricing has gone down if i'm trying to at the end of my i'm trying to get out of my three to five years i really can't bring you into that to return capital back to my my investors so so it's a combination of a number of things and, and you're raising some good points that have yet to be addressed okay um by the market 
Um, and I think that is also why you're seeing it's less of a pullback from lenders because they've taken a position and more a wait and see on how a lot of those things get resolved and reconciled. You know, there's a sense that, okay, if, if you know, the rate increases just at some point, you know, get to that new normal and stabilize within a particular range, you know, then that will allow everybody to just start planning and projecting out based on that, you know, and understand how to essentially execute and value. So, so as it relates to where, you know, our trade uh, and how we would jump in to facilitate. So, you know, there are sellers, if we're going to take the sell side, who you're right, may have been into, a, let's say, a multifamily asset for three to five years, executed that value add business plan, got there. And now, you know, either they don't want to take the haircut on the sale or, you know, they expected to refinance at a much higher number that delivered either cash out or traded down in rate. And neither of those things are on the table any longer. So to that end, we would step in and, you know, they might say, okay, you know what, I just need some like breathing room here. My loan is maturing. Okay. And I need to just buy some time and, you know, I need a year. So, so there's a situation, you know, where essentially the commodity that we're selling is a year, right? And there's True. a price tag associated. So but that's, that's essentially the trade. Why would I want to come to you versus going to do on a cash call? Uh, because a, the cash call is not available to you. Um, right. If you're, let's say, assuming you have uh, syndicated capital in a deal, meaning you've passed the hat to your private investors, uh, there's nothing worse than having them pony up into a deal where, you know, your proposition to them is we've just gotten hammered. And I need you, investor, to float me. Yep. Um, secondly, some deals have already experienced a cash out refi. And the last thing you want to do is approach that same investor and go, psych, I need that money back. Gotcha. I mean, so from an optics and call it IR, investor relations standpoint, yeah, um, that's a little bit the kiss of death on your prospect of, you know, raising money for future deals. True. So, you but, know, secondly, com just common equity, mm -hmm. right, from investors is generally the most expensive equity. Got it. I mean, the most expensive capital, rather. Right. So, you know, just if you think about that stack, right, it's the riskiest, but it also gets the upside participation. If you're going to call more of that capital, presuming it's even available to you, it's going to create a dilution on the overall return. And if you are built on delivering certain hurdles of return right. to be able to earn your money exactly. and earn a living, right. you're really diluting that down. So those are a number of reasons why you would really look to some more structured finance solution you know, that looks like debt, even if it has a pricier coupon and like the tag maybe gives you a bit sticker shock based on what you've seen in the market. But from a relative cost standpoint, you know, would be the better option. So can I, so, so, but if I, so I come to David and I say, Hey, David, 
I'm about to do, I'm a seller. I'm in this situation. I need another year or so. Thought I was going to be able to do it and execute. I, you know, everything is great and fine and you know, wonderful with the world. And you step in and say, yes. So then the, the, the impact to the other passive investors in the situation is that they're going to get a, a, a lower uh, cash flow amount because we're now having to pay an additional uh, loan on the property in order to, to bridge this until we can actually you know, finally cash out refi in another year or so. Am I correct in saying that? I, I think that that's definitely a form of pain that uh, an investment or a deal could feel. Yeah, you know, and it, it's a little bit of a pick your poison situation. Exactly, exactly. And I and I think with investor relations, as you mentioned before, it's important. You know, one of the things that if you're doing a syndicated deal, everybody has is that that piece of the form that says here are all the risks you could lose all your money. Da 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 da. And if you've been acting in good faith and you've been in you know consistent communication with the investors, letting them know what's happening, and of course they're seeing what's going on in the market. And this is a potential low cost situation in that they don't have to pony up any more money. They may get less cash flow per month or per quarter, however you do your distributions. But then it at least solves a problem temporarily before you can actually finish executing uh, the plan for exit. You know what I mean? So that's absolutely that's another that's a, definitely another option there. So let me ask you this question then. Um, I'm sorry, were you about to say something else that I cut you off there? No, in no. terms of where you see us going, I mean, obviously, you know, your your money is at a year, uh, you know, and trying to come in and doing that mez, you know, debt piece, which is perfectly fine. But where do you see the markets actually going? We've been talking about a recession, a recession, a recession, and then we've had two quarters of downturn, and no one is using the R word, right? So, what do you see? I, I've I've heard different things from uh, different people. As a matter of fact, I was just. Talking yeah. to somebody. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll tell you. Um, listen, the market's in a recession, right? Okay. And if you want to argue me on the scientific definition of what a recession is, sure. Okay. okay. But at least let's zoom in. The real estate market is in a recession. Okay. Okay. The valuations are adjusting downward. Uh, certain asset classes are feeling a lot of pain. There is billions of dollars of loans that are going to be maturing over the next few years that don't have a clearly defined exit as to how those get repaid. So, you know, those are some serious red flags. And now listen, the market could come back should the capital markets on a macro level and the economy on a macro level, you know, turn the inflation narrative around, right? But like, if you look at just again, economically, you know, the concern of the Fed, which is driving a lot of this being inflation, you know, they are deliberately trying to hit the brakes on the pace of growth across the board. So, I mean, that in and of itself, that slowdown, I mean, just from the definition of the word, you know, they're trying to affect a receding of economic growth, granted to a positive pace, but something that's been much, much slower than has been in the past, right? So real estate's there, right? The real estate capital markets are there, 
you know, there are other industries that are experiencing that as well. And, you know, it's uneven, but a hundred percent, like that is where we are. And there are certain things that need to get solved, or at least there has to be a very clear path to that solution for us to be able to then point to, okay, I think we're at a bottom or around there. And, you know, for a certain longer horizon, or I can buy in for X dollars for this time frame, you know, and I feel like I'm money good in terms of both asset preservation and then appreciation. But I mean, nobody's, nobody's going to go out there and reasonably take a bet like that, unless, you know, on a specific deal level, you're buying so right, you know, which is possible. Right. And well, you know, with any, any real estate transaction, if it cash flows now, it will cash flow later. So if it's a good deal now, then it's a good deal. And your perfect person who you want to reach out to you is someone who's purchasing, who recognizes there's a gap between what you can raise and what the bank is going to give you. And you need some additional debt in order to, to get to your, your goal to reposition an asset. This is probably not a stable asset, right? This is probably one that needs to perform quickly so that they can increase the rents or whatever uh, in order to be able to repay you back within a year. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. I mean, listen, my box is really just a view on the direction of the market. And granted, look, I manage a fund. We're trying to generate a return. Uh, We want to see exits on our investments within a certain time frame based on that. But overall, you know, we're calibrating to the market you know, a year ago, two-year deals and, you know, three-year deals were um, certainly on the table because our view was that that was a good place to be making loans for the fund, you know, but, but I'm constantly just looking at the real estate market as a whole, thinking about where I can participate, uh, participate in that ecosystem, but at the same time, also Here is just generally speaking how I tend to think about things and and frankly, how any investor really needs to think about things. What is your counterparty trying to solve for them? So for us, that manifests both from the end borrower who is, let's say, trying to either buy an asset and affect a turnaround plan. Um, by time, uh, you know, so so things like that, or you know, is presented with an opportunity where the seller has to exit out before their loan maturity, and they have to move very quickly. You know, these are just expressions of different ways that we're thinking about. Okay, what are you solving, and where can I fit into facilitating that if I'm interested? On the lender side, you know, similarly. What are lenders trying to do? A lot of the traditional lenders are trying to play serious defense right now. They're trying to, you know, generate business potentially, or maybe they're just like pencils down and not generating business because the reason that's happening is not even a view on the market. You know, a lot of banks have just essentially just gone dark on doing real estate lending because depositors have been taking money out of their bank because across the street, they're getting a half point more on a savings account 
than they were getting at the bank. Like this is a real situation. It's a real thing. Yeah. It's very real. A lot of banks have been like seeing their cash drop because people are shopping. Right. You know, which is like and and that has this cascading effect. You know, so by understanding certain drivers, even on that side, you know, if, if a bank is open but they're short proceeds, we come in on the gap like I described. Right. You know, if they can't take the pain of a good loan, let's say maturity defaulting, you know, then we're able to step in and take that down. But the reason that we're doing it is not simply because we exist. It's because I'm taking the time to figure out the um, things that people are trying to solve both for the upside and trying to solve with respect to pain points that they're experiencing in the current market environment. And that is just generally speaking, I don't care where you play. Like you need to be thinking about that right. to be able to create enough of a pipeline of quality. And then also be, you, know, you get first look on these things when you can just like, you know, communicate both implicitly and explicitly to the other side of the table. Like I understand what you're trying to get to right. here is how we can make this deal happen. And I can facilitate that. So then let's talk about this, David. How do people get in contact with you? What's the name of your fund, first of all? So, uh, I mean, the, the firm's name is Capstack Partners. Uh, you know, the fund is uh, very inspiringly Capstack Real Estate Credit Fund. <laughs> so there's no mistaking what it is. Um, you know, and uh, I, we, we, we have a website. I'm best reached on LinkedIn. So David Black on LinkedIn. Um, and that's the best way to reach you in your website. What's the website address? Just so people can. Capstackpartners.com. There you go. Well, listen, David, this has been very interesting. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier in our, in our pre-conversation, complicated. For those of you who are in deals and you know you're coming out of a deal or you're getting into a deal and, you know, you're thinking, I don't know if I want to do it. David's the person that you need to talk to because he's in the weeds. He's making it happen um, and, and making things uh, more accessible to all of us here to make sure that our deals get done, no matter what the real estate transaction is. So please make sure, and of course it's non-owner-occupied stuff, so please make sure you reach out <laughs> to David uh, for any of those things. Um, again, thank you so much for coming back, David, and we look forward to talking to you very soon, all right? Thanks for having me. Absolutely.